Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Michael O'Brien Podcast. I'm your host, Michael A. Bryan, and joining me today, all the way from Pune, India, is Ms. Gulnaz Dashti. Gulnaz, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. Thank you, Michael, for thinking of me. Thank you so much. Well, I'm very, very happy to have you here, Gulnaz, and there's so much that we're going to speak about today. But before we get there, for those of you who this is your first time here joining us on the Michael Bryan podcast, this is a podcast where I bring you interviews from yoga teachers, spiritual leaders, healers, and people from all around the world who are changing not only their lives through their own practices, but they're also touching and impacting the lives of their students. So if you want to continue to be a part of the momentum that we're building here on the Michael Bryan podcast, please do yes like and subscribe to the podcast as well as subscribe to the podcast not only here on youtube but wherever you find this on the internet whether that's apple Podcasts, anchor podcast stitcher you name it and as always share the podcast with your other yoga loving and mindfulness loving friends because more and more people around the world need to hear about these amazing conversations with these amazing teachers so gulnaz it is 6 a.m for you how does that feel not 6 a.m. It's 7. <laughs> oh, it's 7. <laughs> it's 7 o'clock. That's good. You know, time zones, me and time zones, I'm, I'm, it, it's, a, it's a tricky situation, but it's 7 a.m. for you right now in Pune, India. Right. Okay. And right. it is 8.30 in the Bahamas. So, I, I th- is that 12 and a half hours or something? Almost, yes. Almost. All right, Gulnaz, I'm super happy to be here speaking with you again and just welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So Gulnaz, before we dive in, I want to give you the opportunity to tell our listeners and viewers a lot about yourself. Who are you? Where are you? And what brought you into Iyengar Yoga? Okay. Who are you? I'm Gulnaz. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I've lived in Pune all my life. I've always born and brought up in this city only. So I've seen the changes. I've seen the destructions. I see the constructions. The whole city has changed completely. So all these things they have witnessed. And of course, my whole family is connected with the Ayanga family. It's been because we are living in the same lane. They are, like, they are neighbors also. And it started with my brother, Ali Dashti, definitely. Because since childhood, he was always into martial arts. That's why he mastered over that and he joined yoga with Guruji. And Guruji had to calm him down because he had, Guruji had to challenge him. You know, having a young kid with challenges of martial arts, so Trikurasan was not challenging. So definitely he had to challenge him many things. And because of him, of course, the whole family, one by one, we all joined. And if I have to look back more, my father also was a yogi because he was practicing not with Ayengar yoga, but because he was traveling a lot, he was a freedom fighter. He was in Gujarat, you know, because I'm born there, but of course, we shifted to the city. So we've always seen, as my father, always in the house, standing on the head, doing sarvangasans, shishasans, sarvangasans. So it was quite common in the house to see somebody practicing. And then, of course, my brother, again, Ali. So he was always with the martial arts, doing something, you know, all those actions we have seen. Then again, joining yoga. So again, standing on the head. So these posters were quite common in the house to see you know, the men of the family doing. And of course, gradually, as the time went, we all joined and we became a part of the family of the Institute. 
So what about that for you, Gulnaz, made you want to dive into yoga as well? Because you, you mentioned that the man of the family was doing it. So what about the yoga practice call to you specifically? Well, uh, if I have to tell you more about my background. Tell me all about your background. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, to understand this question is difficult. Well, traditionally in our family, in our culture in India, we get married quite young. And that's how I got married quite young, at a very young age. And of course, it didn't work out. I think the challenges, the changes in my life. And looking at that, my brother, again, being sensitive and being such a loving person, he said, no, you have to join yoga. And when a family says, join this, I join this, no question, we join. Okay. We knew what is yoga and we joined. But because the kids were young, they were toddlers, they were small, I just, you know, in the 89, 89, I joined. So I was not so regular, but because of the background of my life and the stress, what I was going through, a lot of changes were happening in my physiological body and psychological. So one day he was practicing, I was helping. You know, he used to, I, I, that's how I, the hand touch comes, you know, he used to tell me, okay, do this, do that, help me like that. And some discussion came about a, a woman's issue of the irregular cycles of the menstrual cycle, you know. And something happened, we were discussing, and I said, okay, so even I have this problem. And he just looked at me. What? He just threw if it is angry, then the taekwondo comes in the picture. Okay. So he just flung me apart. I was on his back doing something, helping him. He just threw me apart. So do you have this problem? Because I had missed my period for many months. And that was not normal. And I was young. I was, I was still a teenager. Being a mother, I was still a teenager. Next tomorrow, you'll go and first meet Gitaji. I said, oh, God, how? No, you have to. Go. I'll talk to her. Okay. Somehow, I collected all my guts and energy. I went to her. I said, Gitaji, I have this. this. So she looked at me. Because now she had already known the story behind, you know, or family issues or whatever. So I, Ali had guided her. So she said, okay, you have to be in this class and, you know, start doing this. And she gave me a whole sequence and started practicing. And that's the start. How I realized that the stressful life or whatever the issues, it's not only everything. So everything is connected with the physiological body and the psychological body, everything. So that's how, and with her, you know, taking care of me in a very different way, molding me, and then the gesture of Guruji came, I have to teach, and everything happened. The whole story started from my, that little talk between my brother, I was helping him, and he just flung me apart that you have this issue and you haven't discussed it. Because in our culture, we don't talk with our brothers or things, it's something very personal, and then we talk with our mother, and you know, that's why then she said, okay, go and approach Gitaji. She's, she's like a mother, she's the mother of the, everybody at the mother of the Institute. So that's how I got linked and the whole practice changes, the approach changed, and my involvement got so much deep into it. I think that's a beautiful story, Gulnaz, and especially this notion on your brother Ali's part, that if you had this issue or if you had this problem, that Gita was the first person to go and speak to because <laughs> of what we know is this therapeutic value that we get yes. practicing Iyengar yoga as well. Yes, definitely. So that was the start of it. Because sometimes you are young and you don't have the physical um, injuries or pains. You know, There are other things bothering. So that's how yoga is so beautiful. I realized the value of touching the organic level. 
the therapeutic level. So many things. So as you know, your subject is so huge and large. And when you have the two kids, you have you know struggling in your life. So you don't think so much. Your your attention is on the other side of the life. And I never thought that you can be my my support of my life of bread butter. You know, I never thought for many years it wasn't that. It was just whatever Gita Ji Guruji said I was doing. Till one day it was decided. Okay, now I have to be on this path. But till then, still my family, my brother Ali was supporting me, and he was. It was like a father, like a brother, everything to take care of me and my children. Yeah. So Gulnaz, in those early days of you practicing Iyengar yoga, were you specifically practicing in what we call the medical classes, or were you taking the regular classes as well, or what did your practice in those initial days look like? Everything. <laughs> so start to start my issue when I talked to Gitaji. That was the first certain time. And what beautifully she guided me. So the problem was resolved. So it doesn't mean I have to end up over there only. I stuck with that certain sequence. So I was practicing everything. And as in, I was still young. I mean, I was just toddlers. I was still a teenager. So she she caught me in the right way. And I had to do every class. Practice I couldn't do much initial years because I had to be home with the children. But the classes I was every day. Prashant sir's class that guided me a lot because his classes were in the morning. It was more practical for me to escape. You know, put them to school and run to the class. Uh, whereas the other classes had to juggle with the family, just put them here or go or miss. A lot of things were happening. So everything is not only one aspect. If you are a practitioner, you are practicing everything. So there is not this and that. There is no division there. <laughs> I find that really amazing and also really great to hear because I think that in the West we tend to have this thought with an Iyengar yoga that. The therapy class is one thing, and then the ropes class is one thing, and then no, the no, 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 <laughs> no. That's the wrong notion, actually. That's how uh, I think every individual person who has approached yoga in their own way. Now, I cannot say I joined it because I had this problem. That was a small problem, which I, I was young. I was, I was not educated about yoga. I didn't realize it can be such a big issue. But if you have a shoulder issue, it doesn't mean that you have to end up in that class forever. If you have another issue, no therapy level or a person who cannot attempt an asana. So Yuguruji has formed these uh, props so that a person is able to perform or able to do or enhance or improve the asana. Not just one thing, just because you have a certain issue. And even the medical classes, as the other senior teachers, of course, they know better. So we keep them for a certain time to be healed. And then we push them and transfer them into a general classes where they progress more, not forever staying in that uh, certain issue in, as a therapy class or whatever you can call it. No. It's like a hospital. You get healed, you go home. You be <laughs> a normal life. So it's not that forever you're going to be in that clinic. No. Definitely. And this, this notion of integrating students into the larger class is something that I've learned from my teacher, Lois, because that's yes. how she teaches. And I just find it interesting that oftentimes we, we, we still don't really have the opportunity. I know a lot of my colleagues in the West, they say how they haven't had the opportunity to get this full experience of Iyengar yoga where they're learning the therapy and they're learning the adaptations for a, a woman's cycle or where they're learning all of these things within their larger training. But what it sounds like from you is that all of these things was happening simultaneously for you yes, as you yes. studied. Definitely. And for that, they have to come to the institute, to the mother institute. <laughs> so then only they'll experience. 
<laughs> nothing else i can say more than that we all are a bit part of the institute you know sharing our knowledge a bit so it has had that complete taste and that experience you have to come to the institute <laughs> for you what is the definition of ayengar yoga from your perspective definition wow it's so huge what can i say about this definition so, i mean i've lived my whole life you know as i said i was so young and the whole part of our family has been connected with it's a it's a whole world for me my whole life is connected with that my whole uh, uh, you know your entire existence is now connected with that atmosphere of yoga of ayengar family of each part of that that institute so it's difficult how to define that so i don't know what you know maybe my english is not good or i can't get the right <laughs> picture for you what to say about it i mean i've this is the only time in my life and after all these years like my, my children have grown up they married they have children so the first time that one whole year i walked through that road and i just have to look at the gate to get a glimpse of somebody from the institute maybe prashant sir walking over there or somebody from the abhi's family say hello to them and i'm not allowed to go inside so it's so it's such a painful thing for me that oh my god i'm walking through this road and i can't visit them you know of course from there behind the gate i do say hello and we talk but then uh, it, it, it i don't know what uh, you know what is is so hard on your heart that this is a place i have been every day and now i can't it's almost one year i haven't been there i haven't seen anyone i my colleagues my friends my students everybody the whole it's a whole world over there you know, existing so what more can i say about that you know? and and that's specifically because of some of the lockdown requirements because yes yes of, of course because of the pandemic year everything was locked down that street which has been so hugely crowded that we couldn't cross the road also and now suddenly there's a pin drop silence nobody on the road of course now things are getting back to normal but still time so it was like you know it's a whole new picture and suddenly realized oh i'm not allowed to go there i'm not allowed to see anybody <laughs> well, I I know that yesterday you and I were supposed to meet at one point in time and you were saying that there was a class that Prashant was teaching that you definitely yes. wanted to attend. Which class was that? I didn't want to miss his class yet. <laughs> yes, definitely. Which which of his classes was that? So the the uh, the normal your local classes that we attend like you know we attend he used to he teaches on Monday Thursdays Uh, Saturdays and Tuesdays, okay, all well, just four days. So now he's teaching on Monday and Tuesdays from seven thirty to nine. So he's on Zoom, and at least we can see him like that. We can do his classes. So this is one of his regular local classes where we attend. So and he's and because of him, at least we are surviving. We are going on, you know. There's a glimpse of him, but hearing him, seeing him, so it's been has been a blessing. Because he's the only guru now we have. We have to depend, you know. Now we Bob. we just have to cherish that and you know make sure we see him definitely so i think going back to the previous question that i had asked you about yeah. about the definition of ayengar yoga yeah. what what i think is is really the the core of what i'm trying to get at is what makes this practice so important for you Uh, it's the practice is not 
is very individual. Its practice is so important for everybody. The way Guruji has scientifically modified methodology in every way, he has touched everyone's life, whether directly or indirectly, whether people have seen him or not seen him. As you, one of you, you are the example. So, so you, his yoke, the way he has shown the world, it's so beautiful that everybody is benefiting and he has touched everybody's life. And that is why, what to do my experience, and because see, India again is a hub of every yogi in the world. Everybody's a yogi. There are in you know, ashrams, anything, a lot of scams, a lot of problems, everything is there. But by God's grace, Guruji never named his place ashram. You have to think of that. He has said institute. He didn't make a kind of, a, you know, those filmy stuff and like that. Okay, you come. I want only Westerners to come to me. You come and stay with me. No, no. Institute is what you learn, you go. So he's not responsible once you accept the out of the gate. You'll start. You're responsible to come inside your institution. You'll study. You understand, you go, you progress. And the way he has again sequenced or the syllabus, the book, the way of his teaching every week or every day what we practice, it has benefited every individual person. And that is why the, 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 his syllabus is now is accepted in schools also now, in most of the schools around the world in India. Because it's so beautiful, it touches it makes understand what is yoga. And that is why out, throughout India or throughout the world, Kruji outstood every yogi, every other yogi. Scientifically, he had to prove so much. And now there is nothing else to prove. We are just a small, tiny molecules of it trying to show something. He, everything is there. You know, sometimes the class and they are so confused that everything he has given us. Gitaji has put everything ready-made for us. Still, we are confused. So, like, what more we want, you know? And what a beautiful, uh, what you say, the right word of English. Uh, what a beautiful work or effort or the right word, I, you might find the English right word, towards the society, towards the world, the way he has shared his knowledge, his, uh, his uh, understanding of yoga, simplifying it, so that every common person can benefit. So that itself is a huge work to those, towards the humanitarian, towards the humanity. You know, to look in that way, in the in the huge vast way, what you are trying to ask me that question. So that's I think I look at the definition of Ayankar Yoga, that it is so huge, it's so vast, it has touched every single person. That's what I feel. So the practices, you open the book, the practices for you. You, whether you are in the institute, the practice is for you. It doesn't matter. That's why that whole that you say, the therapy, the this, the that, everything is there. It's just a matter of time that you enter that path. Once you are there, the, the journey starts. I, I love this notion, Gulnaz, that when we begin Iyengar Yoga, we're plugging into a system or when we begin Iyengar Yoga, we're plugging into something that is so ready-made almost, because like you said, Guruji exactly. did all of the work, Gitaji did all of the work already, so we're plugging exactly. into security. Exactly. And, and, 
and even if that is also confusing then it's a pity like you know that's why where sometimes in the class when prashant sir goes so deep in that knowledge and they are looking so confused he reads he quickly and especially i am the first one you are confused i said yes <laughs> so i of course he knows me i've grown over there so he knows all my gestures did you understand no i didn't understand okay i will think <laughs> so and and he is of course trying to get more deeper closer to the subject because the, the top area the most work is done so at least he doesn't want to waste time okay let's get closer let's get closer deeper layer deeper layer go to the deeper layer so that's of course is still challenging and is still confusing still we are learning so still the journey is pretty long what i love that you're really tapping into gulnas is this concept of your own continued studies and your own continued studentship with prashanthi and with the institute so yeah, what i want to know from you is why is it so important for you as a teacher who's been teaching for all of these years why is it so important for you to continue studying at the institute in the way that you do it is very important i don't know maybe it's the culture it's the love and the affection because for me it's like a family as i said gitaji guruji as uh, like a like a guardian they have molded me that is one thing so i can never even think of detaching myself from them that is not possible and secondly the subject is so huge it's not that just because i can do trikonasana i can do sheshasana the subject is over i mean each day every class when i sit in prashant sir i am zero i don't know anything but i open patanjali sutra i am zero i don't know i still have to learn i still have to understand anything so the studentship can should should never die can never die and that's what guruji's guidance you the day the moment you say i know your journey ends i don't know anything yet this is just a just the upper crust we are touching hands up hands down Go to here, go to there. That's it. I mean, what more we can say about that? You know, I mean, basically simple action. So the subject is so huge. So it's not that it's the end. No, the the every every class I go and I come out, I'm still like I'm dazzled. I'm still amazed. I don't know what happened today. What he or she told me today. What Prashant sir is talking. I don't understand half of it. Of it. What exactly? Where I have to start and where so deeply I have to go inside. So that studentship. first of all culturally is there in me the love and affection is there in me i can never even imagine or think to detach myself and that's the first thing as a guru all my gurus have taught me that yes the day you say i know or you stop learning that's the end of your yoga that's the end of the journey so not possible definitely not and especially me to have born, i like first a second birth i've been born and brought up there so in every way so in every gesture compassionate love affection they have taken care of me so when i say these words doesn't mean they, like a western where they come and hug you and tell you oh i like i like you i take you no no nothing like that but the way they look at you the way they keep an eye on you she has a problem she is having the same this one that one so the way they protect you and they guide you towards the subject towards the life is beautiful so that you will not find anybody else over it this concept of the guru shishya relationship i think is something that 
we tend to dance around in the West and a lot of people try to pick it up and really hold on to it. But there's something about the Western experience that sometimes makes that a, a difficult craft. And I, I don't know whether it's a value structure in the West that's different or whatever it is about the Western psychology that doesn't always allow this piece that you're talking about, this surrender, this devotion to really come to the fore as strongly as I hear you describing it. Kulnaz, what do you think is so significant about your culture, but also about your connection to the Institute that makes that guru-disciple relationship be such an important piece of your life? See, it's very, as I said, you are comparing it with the Western world because it's not there in the culture. Okay. Now, okay, institute one thing, Guruji's, of course, is on top over there, but what the, 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 the subject is only very, 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 very pious, very religious, very subtle. But in our culture, when the child is molded and sent to the school also, the education at home is that, that the deep respect you have a teacher, we teach them. It is there in the family. So it's not an extra thing that you have to go out and learn and develop. The moment we say he or she is your teacher, your head bows down, you surrender down with your whole heart. You respect that person. Now here you're talking about the subject you. So you can imagine what a surrender we have. So it's not only that physics, chemistry, what your ABCD you're learning. So when it, this word of term of yoga comes in the picture, that means the word guru is connected with that. So you surrender without even thinking. There is no calculation, at least till my generation. Now, this new generation is a bit difficult, let me tell you, because we are now stuck with this uh, world of media and these challenges, competitions, this Facebook, I'm doing the best, my pose is the best, my jumping is the best, all those things are happening, unfortunately. So that's a challenge. But at least still somewhere we hold on to our tradition. We teach our children, yes, the word teacher, the word guru comes, your surrendering happens. Because that starts from the home only. So if we don't go outside and learn, it is in the family. It is in the children. It is in the house that we educate. The first education starts in the house. Because if you don't have a respect for your teacher, your guru, then there is nothing left in life. And that's why that, that having a low profile, respecting, it is there in us. It's not that I have to take my flag, oh, I am Gulnas. No, no, that is not important. I am Gulnas because of my Guruji. I am Gulnas because of my family, because of my brother. So that's how the link and the traditionally we teach in our family. That respect, that love, that affection is bonded from there. Because what you show in the house, it presents outside. That's beautiful, Gulnas. That, that piece where you said that you are Gulnas because of your family, you're Gulnas because of your brother, you're Gulnas because of your Guru. And as I hear you speaking, I realize that I'm in the Caribbean and a lot of those family values are present. Family values. <laughs> yeah, that, like, like they're, they're present in the Caribbean just because of how the Caribbean experience is. So that's something that we have in the home and religion yes. and all of these exactly. things. And, and all the same, I think that there's, that it, it's interesting when we see this desire on the part of a student to genuinely come into the practice 
and surrender to the practice, but still there's something within them that blocks that. Have you, have you found that in your own teaching of Iyengar yoga, this, this whole thing of a student really wanting to pour themselves forward into the practice, but, but still having a, a blockage somehow? No, that is not. That blockage is not there. When your practice is so openly, you have to do. That one thing, again, the point of Guruji Kitaji will come. In practice, you cannot hold. You have to go so deep inside. You have to open up so much. And that's where, actually, another point of Iyengar, the word comes that because that pushing is there, that encouragement is there, that motivation is there. So you can't stop. So this word block is wrong. We don't have this word block. And unfortunately, I keep on correcting all the teachers, students. This word block is, as you said, is blocked. So what now what has happened? I have a brick here. They're using this word for the brick. This is a brick. It is not a block. Guruji used that brick to help the student. Now they are using a brick and saying block. You are blocking yourself. They don't want to go on the floor. They are using that block. So this block, word block unfortunately has come from the Western world. We don't have it here. So in this practice, that's, that's the beautiful part that Guruji, Pitaji, Prashansa, they are so much encouraging. They are so much motivated. All of them, even Sunitaji, all of them, each member of them as I have learned from them. Abhi of, of the younger generation, she is in her own part how to, she has to encourage everybody. So this word doesn't exist, at least not in a practice. <laughs> <laughs> so no so block. Have, no block, brick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Gulnas, let's talk about that for a bit because what you just brought up was this thing that, and once again, my only relationship to Iyengar yoga is being in the West and teaching in the West. And while, you know, my teacher, she really tries to hold on to this authentic fire and integrity of Iyengar yoga from India, I still interact with the larger Iyengar yoga body and my colleagues and my friends. And something that I think has occurred in the West in relation to Iyengar yoga is this concept that it's all about the props. And it's all unfortunate. About <laughs> very unfortunate. Very unfortunate. That's the half the time when I have these small classes here and there, you know, as they approach me, I teach. Half the time I'm clearing that only. I don't teach much actually. I'm just clearing all these things. <laughs> <laughs> all these doubts, all these misunderstandings. That's my job actually. I'm just clearing all these things. So as Guruji had to, you know, why Guruji outstood? Why Kitaji outstood everybody? Because they were trying to help his humanity to achieve the benefits of yoga. Now, he, Guruji never said anybody out of the class, go uh, learn Kapotasan so it can help your kidney or help your this and help your that. No. That person had to be healed. That person had to be taken care of. So how he modified that strong, intense pose to be benefited from that nutrition, that healing process of that asana. And that's why the props came. Now, unfortunately, on the other side, the students are depending on the prop without the prop they don't want to do. So look, what he did for us, for a patient, for a student, to be helped, to be free of that pain or whatever problem that person had, but not for the young generation or the better body where he or she can perform without a prop. 
So light on yoga, very serious. Light on yoga is there. Light on yoga is there. There is not a single thread. There is not a single prop there. So he has proved that. He could have stopped teaching after that. Okay, I have proof. I have pictures. He was a guru. He was still practicing. Till his last breath, he was practicing. So that's what we have to see. But with age, with grace, how he practiced. So that's how the, the, this, the unfortunate part is that we are in some ways also misusing the props. First of all, they don't know how to use it, where to use it, when to use it, how to use it. But the props are there. Each and every, sometimes when I see, you know, in those blocks, I have to go. I can't see. I have to go. I have a small screen, okay? I have to go. I see every prop is there. And they're still confused. So I said, you have, I mean, I don't, I don't have any, anything. I have only one chair. Two mats I have. This is my place. This is my small living room. I teach. Okay. But they have everything. They have ropes. They have every beautiful thing in that room I can see. And I envy them. Okay. Honestly speaking, because they have everything and they don't know. So that's the unfortunate part. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Kunas, let us talk a bit more about this overuse of props because for, for, for me personally, and, and I've also found it, and I mean, I, I can only speak about my one contact point with Mr. Iyengar, which has been through my teacher, Lois. And when Lois teaches her beginner's class with raw beginners, there's no props in the room. Definitely, well, very good, 100% correct. No props, good. That's exactly how we teach, yes. There is no sticky mat, no brick, no anything, just in the room, no, on the floor. Yeah. Sometimes sticky mat is needed because now that's why, because I we also had to think about it, even Gitaji also. Uh, first of all, when we don't give them sticky mat, we don't have place. Okay. We have to remove the sticky mat. There is no place in the hall to keep a foot. So that becomes a landmark, you know. So we remove it. And second is, uh, some students, they have this tendency of eczema or slippery hand. Or slippery feet. Of course, if they need, you have to give. That is one one prop I allow. We allow as in some So if they need, they give. But usually they have to get the grip of the earth. They have to ground their feet. That is how the standing poses starts. Of course, when you sit on the floor again, that's where we guide them. Okay, because some knee issues are there, ankle issues are there. Then of course, that, that small, small introduction of the props will come. Once we see the issues, so we can encourage that student not to harm the student. Now, here also we have to be a little bit intelligent, not to harm the student. When the, the student needs a small prop, we have to guide them, but not make them depend on that. That is also have to be understood. So the way, yes, beginners, definitely minimum props, I would say. No props for certain things and small props if they really need to use it. Which is wonderful, which is exactly, <laughs> which is exactly what I personally subscribe to, and it's exactly what, what I've learned from my own teacher. And at the same time, because recently I've been, I've been teaching more in specifically dedicated Iyengar yoga spaces in the US or wherever, I found that that is such a, that is such a challenging thing for the students to hear because their experience of Iyengar yoga for the most part has been this heavy prop 
dependency. So from the beginning of the class, before we've even done anything, they already have two bowls to sit on or six yeah, yeah. blankets to sit on <laughs> or their bricks or all of these things. And for me, it's been such a great point of personal frustration because as I look through the screen at these people who have essentially studied for so long, they're all yeah. having this over-dependence and this initial yeah. jump in their mind that I need to go and get that prop because that prop yeah. is what Iyengar yoga is about. And, yeah, and unfortunately. Yeah, that's quite unfortunate. That's our experience. I mean, as I'm still struggling to undo all these things. So it's about a little bit force I can push on them if they listen and usually they don't like it unless they mellow down a little bit and they accept. But then I have to be in the right way, you know, should approach them. Okay, this is the way and this is also the way. So it takes time to undo that part also. So where Guruji started and how we are overusing or misusing also that, that also is also there. So there we have to find the balance because yoga eventually is with the balance. It's not only the prop. So it's a human nature, how we adapt and what we, and I think it's also in one of the lectures, I think he was talking about Gita Shundi. Human nature, we tend to adapt what we like. Now that person also uses that prop because they, this easy laziness. Oh, I like it. Anyhow, why to leave that bowl? So I am sitting royally over there. So that's sometimes we cannot blame all the teachers also because that, that student maybe had a problem. Maybe he or she has been guided, okay, for some time. But then they get used to it. They forever they want to sit like that or they want to ever stand. So it's difficult to really undo that, that, that body block and the mind block, as you said the word. Okay? So it's very difficult to undo that, to give them the courage. <laughs> Giving them that that courage, that that vidya, giving them that yes. internal fortitude to feel as if they can go beyond. How do you navigate that? Because I've heard you say several times that you look at the screen and you see every single prop that can exist. How do you navigate helping a student get beyond this overdependence on the prop as a as a single factor? Difficult, it's challenging. I have to go very slow, looking at them, giving them the courage. Then you have to really navigate slowly, giving them some understanding, some background of the asanas, show them, you know, perform and show them. And that's why that is another um, beauty about the way Guruji, Gitaji, Prashansa has guided us to teach is that, that the teacher is not sitting, they are performing. So let me correct this also. So constantly, if you see, we are performing and showing them. So they get the courage. And actually, the first objective prop for Guruji was a wall, nothing else. So why not the wall? Why there's all these furnitures around you, bricks around you, things like that? So wall is there. So gradually, when you perform and you show, the students get the courage and gets... Um, I guess fascinated. Oh, she's doing it, you know. Oh, I can see what he or she is doing. So the performance of the teacher is important. But unfortunately, again, the reason I'm coming showing this is that because there was a stage where with certain issues of Gitaji and with age and the hall, there was no place. It was used to be packed, as Louise knows, 200 people in that hall. That is, we used to fold the mats. Okay, mats are big. So we used to fold the mats half and we used to perform on that. So where she can walk. So she started sitting and teaching. Now, unfortunately, 
the teachers carried that. So they are sitting and teaching. <laughs> so like, okay. Now you have to understand. Past 50, 60 years, this lady, Guruji, that 80 years they've been teaching. Okay, there is an age problem. There's a space problem. So it's not that. Still good, Kitaji would get up and correct somebody going slowly because we are, we are like that. Now, of course, pandemic, so we don't know. We have to stay like that. So our maths is way. I could touch you. I can feel you. So you are standing here and you're, so how can she pass and touch? So she may fall on somebody and she was suffering a lot. So anyhow, so she was sitting and teaching. So that also went wrong. Guruji, of course, age, and he was practicing. Still, he would get up and walk and come and help or, you know, correct somebody or you know, guide Abhi or guide a teacher over there. Okay, do this, do that, this action. But the performance matters for a teacher. You have to perform. At least one, you have to repeat. So the students will see, oh, this is the projection. But if you don't see a teacher is performing and sitting and doing the, with the props only, then they will never get encouraged. The navigation has to start with the teacher's performance. That's what is my experience and what my gurus have guided me. As you have traveled and yeah. taught Iyengar Yoga in different parts of the world, essentially, have you seen a difference between Iyengar Yoga how it is in Pune versus Ayengar yeah. Yoga, how it is in the West. Okay, yes. Yeah, it is. Definitely. Every country is different. And of course, in some ways, when I try to understand the concept of it, also they are correct. In some ways, a small percentage is correct because the rules are different. People's mentality is different. Culture is different. So you cannot be so harsh and rigid as we are strong in that pushing and motivating you and killing you into the pose. As I said, there is no blockage. You have to dive into it. So you have to be careful with the cultural and the environmental area laws over there. So you have to be careful. So unfortunately, that notion in some ways they have carried and they have messed up over there. So that is also wrong. So you have to first get the confidence of that student. Let them have faith in the system, in the teachings of Guruji and, one, and also in the right way. Then, of course, you can be a little bit pushy, a little bit motivated. So in some ways, it's correct. They have to be on their guard. They have to be careful. And in some ways, again, they end up depending like that. Or as you know, the stories, they go in a bad way. So that is also wrong. So definitely the changes I have seen. So in some ways, it's correct. They have to be unsafe. So what is the core thing that you value about your experience of being able to study in India at the Institute and receive Iyengar Yoga in its natural state, what is, what is the, the, the core thing that you find that is really most valuable about having that experience? Core thing, what can it be? It's Guruji only, it's Gitaji only, it's Sachanji only, it's the way they really teach you. I mean, I mean, whatever it is, you know, once and a person who meets once Guruji and Gitaji and the, and the whole family itself only, you can't step back. I mean, it depends on the experience, you know. So you just surrender. I mean, that's the word of surrendering comes there. So that's the code. What, what, a, what a magnetic attraction a guru has got towards the subject it will attract that student who is ready to dive into the path. I think that will make sense. So yoga uh, is not meant for everybody. 
otherwise the whole world be very beautiful and peaceful it is not okay india would be very much peaceful so we all are yogis okay so we are in that path but you don't know is a story is different and the more horrible stories are more with these ashrams unfortunately all the stories comes up so here it's with a guru how guru has protected how guruji has taken you into this path guided you in this path so i think that is the main core the way and the attachment comes to that okay you feel so safe so secure so well balanced that you have been looked after you cannot escape their eyes you are safe at least as a young woman just you know so vulnerable with a family i've been there so that's what has kept me that 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 uh, that security that affection you know that they 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 are such beautiful people around there with such compassionate heart affection that they take care of every individual it's not only about me just because i have no personal experience over there not that everybody they all have their experience that and that's why we stay there is no chance of going back even if they want to throw us back i don't think i'll go i'll go back <laughs> so i don't think that will happen so that's why for me it's a ritual though it's been a one year i have to walk through that road i say my pranam i go home because on that side is my mom's house and this side is my house so i have to go through that road road over there there's no chance of escaping that road you have to go and you have to say a pranam to them <laughs> <laughs> i think your experience of iyengar yoga has been really incredible and i think it's something that so many people wish that they could have had this opportunity to live in india so closely connected to the institute because there is there is something very different about that and i i think that as ayengar yoga spreads around the world that experience of being so deeply connected to the mothership of the institute is something that can't really be replicated no it's difficult <laughs> you have to experience you have to stay you have to be there So today in Iyengar yoga we have this shape of the system where you study Iyengar yoga for a number of years under a teacher and then you get certified and there are many people in the world who are certified Iyengar yoga teachers who probably haven't been to India I'm one of them or who hasn't had the opportunity to study directly with guruji in that sort of way what would you want to say to the beginner teacher in the system just about the the practice of teaching iyengar yoga very difficult question what can i say <laughs> i have never been here and and again they have never experienced a direct teaching from our gurus you know that is again a difficult so i think they have to come to pune at least once okay that's one thing <laughs> they have to come to pune because i think that atmosphere itself only will change the their perspective of teaching you know because as i said the rules the laws the environment the culture everything they have been trained in that and they are correct in a certain level the way they have you have been trained it is correct it has to be there but to have that change or that what you want to see or feel is difficult in words at least i can't find words or maybe i'm not 
appropriate with the educative words to say that so the experience matters and our practice if you look at it the the core again the word the core of iagar is practice that practice will definitely show the change that matters so for that experience is practical you have to practice for that experience you have to come to pune you have to practice in that hall you have to be there so that will change you know so that that experience that taste matters so i think that's what i feel you know then it will because words will not have meaning words are there it's like a philosophy uh, words are there but unless unless you don't experience something how will you express so i i think that how i've been molded i've been i've lived my life i'm practical you are very practical <laughs> before before you understand anything else first be practical in life then the other parts will be understood and if and if you look at uh, sometimes you know i don't know somebody was confused so i actually explain in in i don't know how i had to explain it so even if you look at it guruji's book how he has come out he has given us first light on yoga okay kita ji gave us gem for women as a women's work then he gave light on pranayam three books essential then patanjali sutras he did not give us sutras first how beautiful you have to look at that how beautiful sometimes when i look at the book i said wow what a practical person he could have taught the world philosophy everybody was teaching in those days if you look at the philosophers or yogis they were just talking and talking and talking right he gave light on yoga practice first practice understand then he gave us the sutras then he gave the philosophy so that itself only shows the path i mean that's what my experience or what i've understood I don't. So Gulnaz, why do you think that asana is such an important springboard for yoga practitioners into the wider field of yoga practice? Why? Uh <laughs> oh. why what asana? Why asanas are important? Because without this body experiencing how what can you talk about without your body experiencing your breath what can you talk about so the asanas are the stage of that struggle that we are struggling through and and unfortunately if you look at the ethics yama niyama that is going kaput around the world nobody cares about that word ethic okay all the stories you see so after yama niyama is the asana so asana is one object that is holding us then comes the pranayama then comes the other part other part so we have not been looked also but at least asana is one struggle part we are still struggling with our own body then the mind will come then the breath will come then we'll see as prashant sir guides us to understand that part you have to see so because he is teaching what more than 40 50 years now So at least that much, if I am staying in his class, I should experience some of my asanas. I have some experiment. I have some experience. I have some taste to understand what he is talking about. So asanas definitely. So you can't escape that. <laughs> I specifically ask about the asanas because one of the things that I have heard from non-Iyengar yoga practitioners is that. Iyengar yoga is so difficult, difficult because all because all of this 
movement of the skin and the knee has to be straight and the elbows have to be straight. And I've, I've heard people describe Iyengar yoga as if it's purely a physical practice. Yes, it is, and it is a physical practice. Ha, ha, have you heard that as well? Yeah, 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 also, I've heard everything. They come and tell me, no problem. But because they are not sensitive, they don't stay long enough to practice correctly. To experience the correct action within the body, then they know what this word means. And that's why they're on that peripheral area. So that's why I said, this path is not meant for everybody. Now, I may do it. I may do some physical exercise that is also yoga only, but I'm not sensitive enough to understand what is it called as an asana. When you say asana, then it becomes yoga. When you say exercise, okay, you jump up. Anyhow, everybody's jumping around. Everybody's doing, doing the, everybody's doing chakrasana, everybody's doing nakrasana. So many of these jumping actions are happening. And these jumpings I've seen in my, since my childhood, because my brother was doing that. He used to do all those uh, uh, Bruce Lee type, and the knuckles, fingers, all those things I have seen. So this was not a new pose for me. But when I experience as an asana, that changes, that transforms. Otherwise, just physical exercise. So you see this physical exercise, they are doing better. There's all these gestures, acrobats, so beautiful pose. Sometimes I wonder, I get ashamed of myself. My poses, I said, I'm still struggling with my knee and hip and all those things. I look at them, so beautiful they do. But then the body is different. The mindset is different. So that experience matters when it comes to the tone of that asana. So this is a quite common exercise, just like the props, you know. Oh, you're using a prop. Now, what is a prop? Now, this new, uh, just... Last week, called this somebody, one of my students. Now, she's doing, I'm doing Pilates. I said, what is Pilates? I didn't understand. Only. I heard, but I didn't know what is Pilates. So then, then and she's showing me, huh? she's showing me from that screen in that hall. See, this is Laira. So this is props only. I said, you're using my Guruji's props only. And you're saying it's Pilates. Huh? Nee, man, nee, man, this is not like that. I said, no, that is what you're using. So what is this? So we have picked up all these ideas and we have named it. But Guruji never did such a thing. He was just thinking of a person who is suffering in front of him. Whether disease or stiffness or performing. His job was to make sure you do. And that's what has happened. So that is how the journey is. <laughs> this distinction that you make between say Nakrasan and just doing that as a calisthenic Bruce Lee exercise, I think is really <laughs> important because I've noticed myself that when I'm doing Chaturanga Dandasan, that is Chaturanga Dandasan. It's not a push-up. <laughs> it's it's Definitely. not it is it is it is Chaturanga Dandasan and it's a completely yeah. different internal process that I have to go through if I'm thinking about that action as Chaturanga Dandasan yes. versus me thinking about that as a push-up. Definitely. So that's the difference. That becomes an asana, not an exercise. That difference between those two things and that, that, that bridge, that big gap between those two things, what do you think was Guruji's contribution to taking this the, these physical asanas that we do and to bringing this intelligence to them from his own practice? Because he was a very sensitive, intelligent practice. 
within his own body. Now, he could always boast about him, oh, I can do this, you can't do that. It's not that. But he had challenges like my own brother who could do all this action. So that's why his approach, his teaching towards this kind of challenges, young bodies like Ali and his, uh, 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 his teacher also, John, he passed away, of course, unfortunately. So they were always on the challenges. So they used to perspire in a very different way because that became an intellectual perspiration. In one of the interviews, Guruji has used this word very beautifully, physical perspiration and intellectual perspiration. So what you have to use, you can perform. But staying in that position becomes an asana. In that asana, you have a different journey within the body to have an intellectual perspiration. And I think because of my brother only, looking at all this poster, and from far away, I used to be very scared, watch them, what they are, he's explaining. I couldn't understand anything, of course, till I really had to practice and say. So that's what it different for me to be faster enough. And of course, then Gitaji would simplify these asans for us as a woman, how to do it. So I think it was easier for me to grasp these things, to see the difference there. Intellectual perspiration. Yeah, because one of his interviews, he's very clearly used this beautiful word, you know. But you physical perspiration, okay, everybody's jumping around, jogging around, anything you do, you perspire. But what's the intellectual perspiration? <laughs> Very important. Because you do not use your brain, you have to use the intelligence. <laughs> now, this this concept of intellectual perspiration, Gulnaz, why do you think that that's so important on our practice of yoga, primarily through asana? Because that is yoga. I mean, yoga is just doing blindly. It is yoga. I mean, that is the whole sutras are connected. Then the sutras will come in the picture. It's as simple as that. Because each asana has its own intelligence. Each asana has its own journey. So the intellectual part will come in the picture, not the physical body. That means you are going through that phase now. That asana phase is getting. And that's why... Uh, Guruji could stay so long in those positions. I will die in that one position only after half a minute, one minute. That is enough. That is my uh, my better, my capacity. But Guruji used to stay 45 minutes, 50 minutes, or whatever minutes according to his, what he was doing. He was not sleeping in that pose. His intelligence was working in each and every part of that inner body. So he could come out of the pose and explain. Then does the skin would work, tissue would work, which we could never understand because our practice was not to that level. So how can the intellectual work? Because I'm still suffering from the peripheral asana, dying in the pain. This is paining, that is paining, neck is pain, everything is pain. Okay, no problem. I mean, this is normal. We all suffer that. But he was not in that pain. He was searching for something else. So that's a difference. So we can't think of that level. And that's why it's confused. It's yoke. Two quotes I heard from Gita Ji once is that pain is not the criteria. Yeah. Movement yeah. is the criteria. And <laughs> <laughs> we know that. He used, to, he used to tell us every time in the class. <laughs> you, you cry, you do whatever you do. Doing movement has to happen. Then the asana will happen. Otherwise, just the words will remain in the book only. Nothing else. And 
another quote is that we shouldn't come to asana trying to do more things or trying to get more actions, but we should come to asana to find new ways how to search within the asana. So that's exactly same thing I just said. So within the asanas, Guruji was searching something. He was not just uh, sleeping over there. We never heard him snoring. <laughs> <laughs> he was in Vipradhandasana, he was in Vrishrikasana, he was in all his poses, beautiful names. He was there. He was there so intellectually he was there. But me practicing, others practicing, we are crying in that corner, shouting, screaming, helping get up, doing this. Everything is happening, except the asana. But everything happens. <laughs> Louis knows my pains. I know hers. <laughs> so we know all those A, U, E. That's how we do. So Gulnaz, today we are in a completely different world. Everything is here on Zoom. And I know that that has been a real pivotal point for not only myself teaching Iyengar Yoga, but for so many of my colleagues. And before we started recording, you said that it was also a great learning experience for you as well. What do you think is different about the approach that you take in terms of teaching Iyengar Yoga on the Zoom platform versus how you would have taught in person? Yeah, it's a huge difference, no doubt. Big difference. First of all, the touch, the appropriate touch, you know, of adjusting somebody. That's what the main thing. And of course, that also has unfortunately gone in a wrong way. So in some ways, that is good. So everybody's on Zoom. Nobody can complain. You pushed me bad. You touched me bad or whatever. So that's a plus point. But that touch is missing. Because sometimes those words or maybe, of course, I, we are just sharing that small part of our way of our Guruji's teaching. The words are not appropriate or in the right word and the right action for them to get the right movement in that body. So the Gutaji's words, movement in that asana, not a physical movement, in that asana. You are static in that position and I want a certain movement. It doesn't happen. And sometimes when a teacher's right touch comes over there, that is understood by a student. So these are a lot of things are missing in that. But in a way, it's a blessing that we have been so much in touch with our colleagues and teachers and Prashant Savikuran Mace, you know, we are, we are learning in that way. So at least it's the biggest blessing part of it, at least we can continue in this teaching. And, and I know also that you have been teaching on Zoom yourself. So how's that experience been for you over this past year of learning and growing through the Zoom process? Yeah, very challenging because as I never had a computer, I never had a laptop. So when the lockdown happened, suddenly, instantly, I thought, okay, two days, three days. But then all the my, my local students, they were saying, "Man, start. We don't know. We are sitting at home doing nothing. I said, now this lockdown, I don't have anything. I have only one mobile. So then one of my students, she, I borrowed. She said, okay, I'll, I'll teach you. I said, I don't know. So she got her laptop. She taught me. And then my son my daughter, they all, you know, they tuned in. So every, at least for three, four months, I tell you, my poor son had to get up in the mornings or whenever I used to not, and it was good, it was lockdown. So he was home. So he would arrange and, and he trained me, touch this, touch this. So I know only this touch. Beyond that, I don't know. So I know how to put on the Zoom, how to put on the laptop and how to use this. So now I have learned only. Beyond that, something goes wrong, then it's gone out. Then I'm, 
and talk. So this is my uh, lockdown uh, learning process in technology. And I always remember Prashant sir when he says, "Yes, if you give a laptop to a person who doesn't know like me, I don't know, not he doesn't say that a person who doesn't have any knowledge of that uh, what you call software or whatever." So there's a limitation to it. Beyond that, I don't know anything. So it's now my situation is like that, exactly like that. I don't know anything more than that. Perhaps if you had this computer, you don't know so much thing to do, but I don't know. So, but Zoom, I have learned. So I touch this, I open this, I put off. That's all. You hear me? You see me? Two words I have to say. So then I continue. <laughs> so it has been a quite an experience journey with this technology. <laughs> so cool, guys. I, I I think I was laughing when you said that, but but tell us what those two words are that you have to say. You see me, you hear me. <laughs> <laughs> so these two words are the first before the prayers. Okay. <laughs> so that's oh, no. the, that's my just my start of my morning with my local students, and they're all they're, and 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 fortunately. All my uh, my local students that eight to ten who are regular, you know, apart from the institute class, they are all IT. They are all into IT world. Can you imagine them? This teacher learns. <laughs> <laughs> so when I get stuck, when they call me, okay. So now it's a good thing we have this uh, FaceTime calling, this WhatsApp calling. So I show them. Then they touch this, touch that. And I learn. So this is my learning process. They teach me. So when I get stuck, that is another process. So. <laughs> So, Gulnaz, in the Zoom teaching, have you found that students have been able to still receive this light on yoga through this platform? Yes, sure. Not 100%, but 70-80%, sure, definitely. Beautiful. Yeah, at least because, I mean, it's a blessing the way Guruji has guided us in our teaching. You know, because the words, the way Gita Ji would say, I weave the words for you to understand the asana. So it's so beautiful that from here, definitely, if the words are correct, if you are able to, if I'm seeing them, I have to see them. I put my head in that small screen and I search for them. I make sure that they have to be guided. That's for sure. Yes. It's beautiful. Now, Gunas, for those of our listeners and viewers who want to connect more deeply with your work, who want to study with you and learn from you, where can we find you online to sign up for yes. some of these Zoom classes? I finally, my, my, my sister, one of her friends have helped me to have a website. Finally, eventually it has happened. So I don't know the technical part, how to advertise. So it is yoganjali.in. So you can go there and you can register or I tried to register, I couldn't. So that was a different story. So, <laughs> but you can register. Please do register and you can join the classes. This much I have. This much I have improved. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kulnas, I'll put that information down below so that our listeners and viewers Thank can you. find you online and so that they can plug into some of your Zoom classes because I personally think that it's such a privilege and an honor to be able to study with someone who is not only in Pune, but also someone who has been so deeply connected with the Iyengar yoga family and the Iyengar yoga tradition from you first began yoga. And so I'm definitely honored to be sitting here this evening and speaking with you. And I just want to thank you for taking time out thank of you your so schedule much. to be here. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot for approaching me and having this conversation, which 
I had forgotten, but when you ask questions and things come out, thanks a lot. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kulnaz. And to our listeners and viewers out there, if this is your hundredth time joining us here on the Michael Bryan podcast, or if this is your time number one, I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for continuing to share in this virtual mindfulness space space with us. I receive your love, your appreciation, your support, but most importantly, I receive your encouragement. So if you want to continue to be a part of the magic and the momentum that we're building here on the Michael Bryan podcast, please do yes, go below and like this incredible interview, as well as subscribe to the Michael Bryan podcast, wherever you find this online and all so share this podcast with your other yoga loving and mindfulness loving friends because more and more people around the world need to hear about these wonderful teachers like Ms. Gulnaz Dashti. So until next time, I'm your host, Michael A. Bryan, leaving you in peace and love and hope until we meet again. So Have a good one. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Gulnaz Dashti. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. That was great. Thank you so much. That was incredible, Gulnaz. Now, so if you say something, I've talked too much. You can always cut, 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 cut. No, no, no. You can't do that. Sorry. <laughs>